Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18, but with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jazelmon.com. Now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Not what we know, because we don't know shit. What we think. 
David K. Montoya, S. Sadie Burbank Podcast. Or S. Sadie Burbank, David K. Montoya Podcast. The game plan, yeah. The, um, the show. Don't make it up. Let's actually make some. And see, I came up with more. Google it. Not what we know, because we don't know shit. It's Monday night. Let's find out what the fuck we think. I'm David K. Montoya. And I am S. Sadie Burbank. We are back with episode two. Yes, we are. And we've got a good story. To, well, I don't know if we can actually say story. I don't think it is a story. How would you explain this? Because I'm still... We have a subject. We, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. We because, have a subject. Which, last episode, we did really well on sticking to the subject. Yes, we did, because you kept me from wandering too much. You did a good job with that. I, and so did Rousseau. He did, you know... And I, I, speaking of Russo, I do want to thank him because I think now he's going to start listening to the podcast. I hope so. And uh, I, I want to sincerely thank him for stopping Me in because too. he he actually did while he was here. He did four podcasts. Yeah, you, you said he did, and, and and I think he helped us a lot. Uh, I, I was kind of glad to have him here uh, for our first virginal venture, if that's a proper term. Um, for the for this show, sure. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think he did. Uh, I, he contributed. He stayed with the subject. He was on point. I think he did good. Well, we're going to open up with some geek news, and geek then news. and then we'll that's get right. into the main topic. Okay, that's There's, good. The geek news is yes. is for the last three months now. I've been working on a secret project that I have not said what it was. Yes. But I am happy to say that I am very close to finishing the script to the Yolt Gnome animated movie that I've been working on. Yay! That is the secret script or the secret project that I've been working on. Um, I've been looking closely into Kickstarter. It looks very, it looks, it's almost scary how feasible it looks. Yeah. Uh, how we could actually get the project funded from, uh, it's called crowdsourcing. Yes. Crowdsource yes. financing. So that looks very feasible. I found an animation studio, which I showed you, yes. that I feel that would be perfect for it. Everything's coming together. Um, so by the end of this month, I will actually be done with the first draft of the script. That's terrific. That's that's really good. And uh, after all this time, you've had this on your back burner, so to speak, for years. Yes. Uh, almost every, well, since before I knew you, actually. So it's. I'm sure you feel it's good about it. It's almost surreal. It's. I can't believe it's finally starting to come to, to play. You're gonna have to learn how to behave without having it on your back burner now. I know. Hmm. And uh, I've already looked into companies like Netflix, mm-hmm. Hulu, uh, Amazon Streaming, mm-hmm. um, plus already looked into like dvd distribution and if we get enough in the financing department Mm -hmm. i might actually rent out a couple theaters really yes now would it be um you did tell me it would run about 90 minutes so you're thinking feature length yes Uh, at selected theaters near you realistically speaking the the script is probably going to be over 120 pages which is what it comes out to is one minute per page, 
So one page typed is one minute of action. Wow. <clears throat> so, so you knew that already, or yes. did you learn that? How'd you know that? You're so smart. Um, You're such a geek. <laughs> I learned that, believe it or not, I learned that from Russo. Oh, yeah? When we worked on the body bag project, uh-huh. and I was, I'm a writer, so... Uh-huh. I write what I, I hear in my head, and I'm putting down this, I'm putting down that. Right. And Rissa told me, he goes, we only have, I think the original body bag script was only like 70 minutes. He goes, we only have 70 minutes. I'm like, yeah. He goes, you can't go writing 20 pages, you know, and two of those pages are full dialogue. You, you can't do that in the movie because it's one minute equals one page. So that was back in 2000. Wow. So. That, that means the conflict volumes are an epic. <laughs> <laughs> Literally take a couple years just mm-hmm. to... Yeah, we're going to challenge War and Peace in that department. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. So that's my geek news. And that's great. That's fantastic news. It's exciting and extremely terrifying at the same time yes. because this is the most expensive high-profile project that I've ever worked on um, and it's it's nerve-wracking but exciting at the same time if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yes, it totally does. Totally does. Yes. And I guess am I... It's like giving birth. Am I ready to drop the, the budget? How oh, much well, it? hey, anytime you're ready. It's not coming out of my pocket, is it? <laughs> no. The projected budget for this project... Mm-hmm. Is four hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. That's a big number. So, that's everything. That's from and that's the the group money or whatever you call it. Yeah, the uh, crowdsource financing. Right, right. But that's what we need is um, from the animation to the editing of the animation to the recording to the actors to the copyrights to the licensing to DVDs. Everything. I like it. You know me. I always investigate everything I do before I do it. Well, it's a good idea. So I, I had kind of a base. You know where the rocks are. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I had a base number, and that's what this is: is a base number. Will I say that it will call will cost us four hundred fifteen thousand dollars? No, probably cost you one hundred and fifty thousand more than that. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, so, and that's the nice thing about the, like, Kickstarter is who we're going with. Mm-hmm. You know, if we find ourselves short, we'll just put out another one and say, hey, you know what, we're short X amount, this mm-hmm. is our progress, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we just started in trying to get it. Mm-hmm. I've already casted a Yotno. His name is Ian Basor. He is a voice actor out of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And when you talk to him, He's got this other accent, but when he goes into character, yeah, mm-hmm. the accent's just like gone. Oh, cool! And of course, Terry. I, I had to write a scene for Terry. Of course, you know. Of course. So he's he's been casted the Shogun. Ah, cool! Yeah, he <clears throat> he's got a Shogun's voice. Yeah, he's got yeah. that very yeah, demanding, deep, very deep, ponderous voice. And it's kind of 
fun now, more so than before, because I can hear Ian's voice as a Yotnome, I can hear uh-huh. Carrie's voice uh-huh. as the Shogun, and that's kind of how I came up with this really cool monologue. There's there's some dialogue between the two. Yeah, oh, that's cool, and yeah, because once you know how they're going to sound, you can you can start hearing the, the whole thing in your mind. Yeah, that's awesome. God, yeah. And then... Um, Let's see, Aaron Illich from Scene Red. Yeah. I've actually cast the team. And then the funny thing is, is I created this this character. Well, I created it in 1997. So he was two years old when, you know, or was he born in 97? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's scary to think about. But yeah. <clears throat> but I, I needed somebody that age frame for a particular character, for the Hiroshima character. And I was like, where am I going to find it? And then I realized, I'm like, you, you're perfect. And then he, he did a read through and it sounds good. So he's going to do Hiroshima, which is another main character. Yeah. Um, That's cool. I even... Have any old ladies in the story? <laughs> I, I do, actually. Do you? <laughs> Can I read for a part? <laughs> um, it's... Uh, or do you have to speak? No, no, no. Oh. Um, it's a... Because I was going to say, I actually have uh, a role in mind for Ernie. Do you really? Yes. Well, I don't know if we can get him to do it. <laughs> but the the older lady He's very is... very shy, you know. Well, if we clear out the, the recording booth and let him just do his thing, nobody's watching him. It's not, it's not the being watched that would bother him. It's the actually doing it. But he might. He, he, listen, that man... Listen, when I first met him, uh-huh. he was so wound so tight that you wouldn't know him. Really? Oh, yeah. He's... I brought out the beast in him. <laughs> All right, the best in him, I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... The bar's maid is actually an older lady. And they're sitting there, um, a yacht gnome and Hiroshima, they're sitting at the, the bar. And, <clears throat> of course, you know, they're sitting on their legs, traditional Japanese style, mm-hmm. you know, lower mm-hmm. table. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the bar's maid just walks up and she just tosses the, the little cups down and she mm-hmm. tosses the sake, you know, the bottle of sake. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't remember exactly what she, she said. Mm-hmm. But, it's just kind of pissy. <laughs> so, um, the role is yours. You don't even have to read. Oh, it's yours. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. I get to be in the movie. <laughs> that would be another reason for Ernie to do it too. If I'm in it, right? Then you know that would be that'd be really cool. Yay! <clears throat> so there's like one more with the lead female. Uh huh. Um, I just, no, Lacey won't do it. She won't. Um, I can't even get in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but that's different, don't you think? No, it's the same. Is it? Yeah. Is Sit in front shy? of the mic. Is she shy? She was very shy. She's oh, actually. Oh, that's hard. Okay, well, that's all right. But, um, that's... As of right now, unless I create more characters in the process, mm-hmm. which is very feasible, mm-hmm. uh, I've only got one other person to cast, mm-hmm. and then the casting is essentially finished. So you just have to come up with a young, young voice to 
Right. To be the female lead. <clears throat> and it's kind of tricky because I want it to match or come close to what I hear in my head. Uh-huh. And, oh, yeah. And um, though it's it's a very soft and gentle voice, uh-huh. it's got, it's very stern at the same time. Uh-huh. Um, that's, that's about the best way I can explain it. So, I don't know. We'll, I'll keep everybody updated. That sounds so exciting, though. Very, very cool. Very cool. So, uh, wait, we're not plugged in. So, that's... Well, no, that's not true. That's not everything. Um, real fast, to so I can conclude the, the geek news. Mm-hmm. Um, we did come out with the second to the last... Uh, book, you know, that I plan on publishing. We came up with the anthology, the GISG anthology. That's done really well and pre sells. That's um, terrific. So, even though I, I did get emo there for a little bit and, and kind of whined and cried because nobody liked being wanted to play, I can still <laughs> do my job pretty well as a CEO. That's all that counts. When the chips are down, you know what to do and how. That's good. So, now there's only one book left. And that's the evolution of MythWorks, and uh, I'm taking my time on it. I think you should, yes. I would think resting is a really important. I think you found that out Monday. Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. No, it would have been Monday. Was it Monday? Yeah, because Tuesday I had to go to the audiology thing. Um, yeah, Monday. I think you found out just how important rest is. She's out like a light. I was so, I, I literally, Lacey woke me up and said, you know, you need to get up. Sadie will be here. And uh, I, I got up and I was like, what time is it? And I don't even know what time she said. I think it was like maybe three or four. What time did I call you? About that, I think. I don't really remember. <clears throat> and I sat there for like a quarter of a second thinking, sleep podcast, sleep podcast. Okay, sleep. Definitely. Definitely. And then uh, I did. I literally, I fell right back to sleep for another six hours. So that's when you know you need it, when when that happens. I have this every now and then. I, you know, have to crash on the couch and grab a fizzies and, and I'm good. That's what's happening to Lacey right now. She's out, yeah. She needs to be. She's got a lot to do in the next 24 to 50 hours, so. Yeah, she's got a lot to do. Awesome. So, okay, so we so were talking about... Um, are we sticking to our menu here? Um, we have a menu. Yes, we, we have things. an outline, but there's there's certain things that are I said... Are we through with Geek News? We are done with Geek okay, News. Okay, we're all geeked out. You know what? We need to come up with some type of like mini, um, like mini title track. You know, like Geek News, Geek News. <laughs> you know, something oh, like... Oh, and I was going to tell you before we started podcasting. I wanted to know if you could, and you can on your smartphone, if you could find out if the song Traditions is free. Now, what is that? What From Fiddler on the Roof. Traditions. You haven't ever heard that song? I'm trying to, it's been years since I've seen that. Oh, well, anyway, it's... It's a song called Traditions, and it would fit 
in here real good if you can. Oh, for that. like background music? Yeah, well, just to start the whole thing with. Because I was going to say on background. Cut it in. I was going to say background music, I could actually. That, it doesn't matter. No, not for background. No, 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 no. No, I would just want it for long enough to hear the word a couple of times in the, in the music. But if it, if, if it is available, I think that would be really cool. Okay. But that's just me. Anyway, go ahead and. So we were talking, now we're trying to come up with ideas to what we're going to talk about. We're going to stay on topic. Right. Um, though we have our main topic, we're going to have several subtopics involved. Like, right. with, with like the geek, geek news. news. And then what's next? And, email. And then the email. Email bag, but um, we don't have any yet. No, not yet. Well, we have some, but I just haven't had a chance to go through it. Oh, okay. Um, so everybody listening out there, you have us. You have our attention. If you want to ask us a question, it's what we think at jaselmon.com. We'll we'll answer it at Absolutely. this point because of Absolutely. the you will not be ignored. We will read every single email if we have to stay up nights to do it. Well, fortunately for us, our, we're not getting we're that many. Nights. Yeah, that's true too. But we're not getting that many where we're not turning anything away at this point. No, but, but you never know, right? So you, you keep on, just send us in. It may take maybe four weeks from sending it to hearing it, it live, could, it but could. you will hear your question. At this point in the game, You'll you will hear question. a question or a and comment. your name will be given unless you ask us not to. Right. You can give any name you want. It doesn't have to be your real name. You can call yourself anything you want to, right? Right. And that's what we'll call <clears throat> you. Um... And then saying goodbye. Interesting enough, as soon as I came up with the idea of saying goodbye, which is, you know, yeah. uh, people that are the celebrities that pass, yeah. that, that, it just stopped. Everybody's decided that they're going to live a bit. Uh-uh. Gonna... Joyce Brothers passed. I didn't know that. Yes, Dr. Joyce Brothers passed a couple of days ago, actually. I think it was either Mother's Day or just <clears throat> after. Really? She was 85. I do not know of what she possibly just died of old age, as they like to say. Although at my age, when you think of somebody dying at age 85, you don't really think of them dying of old age. <laughs> That's kind of a scary thought. But in any case, um, I don't know that she had anything in particular. Uh, now, what was she famous for? Well, she had a television show back in the day. Mm. Um I'm trying to remember if I watched it. I don't think I did very often. But it was one of those subject-oriented types, kind of like Dr. Phil, only from her perspective. Okay. And um, I think, if I, rec- if I recall correctly, it was sort of like a cross between Dear Abby and Dr. Phil. Gotcha. And I don't remember now the format, whether... Um, I don't remember if she had guests. I don't remember if she just spoke to the television camera and said so-and-so writes this question or what, but something on that. Now, did she have, like, a a article or a column published in a newspaper? Probably. Okay. Yeah. Or magazine? No doubt came from that. that, uh, She was back in the time when there weren't that many ideas for television shows. You know, when TV first came out, it was really a, a 
difficult time for television producers and programmers. Right. Because they didn't have a freaking clue what they were doing. And they, didn't, <laughs> they, they knew they couldn't do the same thing as um, they did with radio, <coughs> i.e. having people stand in front of a microphone and read parts to a play or whatever. But it took them a while to catch on to the possibility that they could give a play, so to speak, in front of television cameras. And so until right. they thought of that, the first thing they did, well, they ran Howdy Doody for a long time. <laughs> Howdy Doody was actually a, a live production. They didn't have video recordings uh, for television shows for a number of years. So everything was live television. And anything can and will happen with live television. But they had the Howdy Doody show. I remember watching that as a child at not my television set, but a friend of my parents had a television set. And uh, because my dad was her minister, we were invited over from time to time so that uh, they could visit with her and I could watch the television. And she had it locked up in this, not locked up, but closed up in a, in a, a hallway closet with sliding doors that slided, uh, slid, slid, <laughs> opened both right and left. And so she slid these doors back and then recessed in this closet was the television set. And it was kind of up high and it had a round screen about oh, maybe 11 or 12 inches across, you know. Right. And, of course, it was in black and white. <clears throat> and uh, in those days, everybody thought you had to have the room darkened in order to watch television. Not like it is today. Um, and so they would let me watch the TV program, and I thought that was ever so cool. I was uh, probably 11, 12, 13 years of age at the time. Um, and then they came out with Texaco's Hour of Stars, I think it was called. Um... And the, the comedians did well because they stand-up comedy seemed to lend itself to uh, television right. uh, viewing and um, photographing, if that's the word, telecasting. So, But it took a while. Anyhow, when Joyce Brothers' program came into being, I think she may have been the only one doing that at the time. By then, I think they had developed video recordings, and so there may be some old video recordings of her show uh, around. I don't, I don't remember because I don't remember exactly when she came on the scene and what was going on at the time. Well, it just so happens you happen to have found that information um, on your handy dandy. I'm so smart phone. <laughs> uh, this is actually her obituary. Yeah, that would help. And it's Los Angeles. <laughs> Joyce Brothers, the popular psychiatrist who pioneered the television advance show in the 1950s and enjoyed a long and prolific career as a syndicated, syndicated columnist, ah, see, I remember mm -hmm. author and television and film personality, has died. She was 85. Brothers died Monday in New York City, according to her longtime publicist, Stanford Bokshaw. The cause of death was not immediately made public. 
brothers gained fame on the game show and went on to publish 15 books and made cameo appearances on popular shows including Happy Days, The Simpsons. She visited Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show nearly 100 times. Oh, no shit. What did they say about a game show? <clears throat> it said... Da, 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 da. Brothers first gained fame on the on a game show and went on to publish 15 books. Really? Yes. I didn't, I didn't even remember that. It doesn't say about her having a show, actually? Just that it was, um, you know, she was a TV star, essentially. Yeah. But I thought she had an actual show of her own. But that doesn't seem to bear that out. There's... Let's see. Oh, you know how memories are. You know, we remember what we want. (laughs) Let's just see what we have here. Practice your psychology on me again? <laughs> oh, I wish I could, but I have enough trouble just practicing it on myself. Well, what exactly are you afraid of? Me, the people out there, the microphone? None of those things. I'm afraid of the unknown. What, what are they? What's the unknown? The unknown is the questions you can ask me. Can you hear me and see me, Joyce? Yes, I can. Ready for your $16,000 question? Oh, hope so. Okay, may I have it, please? First, what referee holds the record for the greatest number of heavyweight championship fights? Arthur Donovan. Who was the referee in the Dempsey Tunney long count battle in Chicago? Dave Barry. What man, later famous in the boxing world, refereed the comeback attempt of an ex-champ against Jack Johnson at Reno, Nevada? Tex Rickard. You're right! I but that was a little. That was piece. the sixty-four thousand dollar question. And that was the game show that which, got us started. Which actually used to be a figure of speech after that game show gained popularity. Really? Yeah. So for a long time thereafter, people would say, "How do you get to uh, Louisiana?" Oh, that's a sixty-four thousand dollar question. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then they go, and uh, people said that at all opportunities for years. And I was thinking, since we live well. Since we're recording here, I live here in Apple Valley, oh, but since we mm-hmm. were recording here in Apple Valley, our send-off, I think, would only be appropriate is to say to Dr. Joyce Brothers, happy trails. Oh, that would be appropriate, yes. And she won't be forgotten. So we're going to get to the topic, um, and then as we, we're going to cover the topic, and then we'll close with one more segment. And then that'll be it for this. God, I thought you were going to say a word of prayer. (laughs) You don't know how many years I've heard my father say things like, well, we'll close with. (laughs) Anyway. So one of the things. Cut that that part out if you want to. (laughs) One of the things that we were talking about earlier uh, was trying to come up with ideas for the show, topics Uh of the show. Uh And one of the things that we started talking about was the, the importance of culture. And well, and and playing by the rules we were talking about last right. week when we were t- when we were discussing the entitlement issues. Entitlement of- issues. Who thinks they don't have to play by the rules? Who thinks they don't have to uh, play the game the way the rest of us uh, feel compelled to? Now, with drawing from that, bringing it forward, do you think that the culture 
that those particular individuals live in, you know, the Hollywood glam glitz, do you think that plays a big role in the way that they behave? Oh, I think it's some total reason for, well, that and the fact that uh, if they were ever taught the importance of not being first in line, not being the loudest heard, not being the one in the limelight constantly, not being the one to whom all others kneel, all of those things, if they were never taught those things as human beings by their parents, then that contributes, I think, to it as well. I, 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 we did talk about whether or not their upbringing Right. Uh, you know, Played a role. Yeah, it's kind of the old story. Were they born that way or did they learn to be that way? Now? So do you think at this point of, of our, I don't want to say generation, but this point of our era, of where we're at in, in time, do you think culture still plays a big role? Or do you Funny think- you should ask that question <laughs> because I, um, I don't remember what happened since our conversation last time. Somewhere at home, somewhere in between then and a few days ago, uh, the words, the word traditions crept into my brain. <laughs> I was trying to think of something cute to say about it, but I couldn't. It was crept into my brain. And um, I was watching well, before that, before I was watching, I, I kept thinking traditions has uh, it without traditions. I think what came to my mind was where would we be? Right. And then, well, and then so so I wrote down this this little thing here that I'm going to read to you. Traditions, the good, the bad, and the just plain boring. Why do we need them? Okay. Or even do we need them? And then I went to my favorite online uh, dictionary, and I typed in tradition. And I got a plethora of uh, definitions, uh, the first of which, an inherited, established, or customary pattern of thought, action, or behavior as a religious practice or social custom. And then a belief or story or body of beliefs or stories relating to the past that are commonly accepted as historical, though not verifiable. Thirdly, a handing down of information, beliefs, and customs by word of mouth or by example from one generation to another without written instruction. Again, another cultural continuity in social attitudes, customs, and institutions. Read that one again. Cultural continuity in social attitudes, customs, and institutions. Mm. And uh, lastly, characteristic manner, method, or style. Those last two, I think, more pertinently relate to 
from what we've been discussing. Um, so traditions, good, bad, or boring, probably are important. If for no other reason than we can learn them, hear about them, right. the traditions, whatever they are, pertinent to our own cultural environment or our own community, our own town, our own state, our own country, our own world, however many different traditions we hear about. Right. And um, we can decide as individuals, at least in this country, we are given the freedom to decide their pertinence, their relativity to us as individuals and to our, say, children or whoever. Um, I, I, um, a couple of days after this thought started in my brain, I saw a movie by Jeff Johnson, who is a self-taught author and photographer and is also a world-renowned surfer and alpinist, which is a fancy way of saying he climbs mountains. In his 2010 film, 180 Degrees South, Conquerors of the Useless, he said the following, If you love a place, you have a duty to protect it. And to love a place, you must know it first. And I thought that was just particularly astounding, given the definitions we've just talked about. And I took it completely out of context of the movie. In, in the movie, he was referring to the people of Chile, some of the people of Chile, who are having problems um, keeping it together, literally, body and soul, because um, some other people want to build some dams and um, cover up their land and take away their livelihood and their homes and so on. And this was the context out of which this particular quote came. But I took it from that context and applied it to my thinking um, about such things as why do we go to war, as an example, or even more locally and more individually, why do we have gangs? What territory do we consider ours that must be protected and why? What brings us to a point where we think we have to protect our territory um, as either individuals or members of certain groups? And um, it, it came to me that the, the reason or the way that we come to know a place, the way we come to know our place in our world, is by hearing about our traditions, our individual, those things that we are a part of. You know, when your mom says, gee, when I was a kid, we did this or that. Or, come on and sit down, it's Sunday, we always have dinner together on Sunday. Um, and we always have fried chicken. Or... <laughs> Or it's summertime, we always go on picnics in the summertime. Those are little things, but they're still considered traditions. 
not as elaborate as, say, Thanksgiving is a tradition right. for the whole country, so to speak, but, uh, but little individual traditions, things that, um, that we hear over and over and over again ad nauseum from our parents till we get to the point where we think, okay, Ma, I get it. Every Sunday, I gotta have dinner here, and it's gonna be fried chicken. I got it. You don't have to tell me that one anymore. Okay. Well, um, as anyone who's been a child knows, you you get a, a bombardment, as it were, of information from the old folks, primarily, um, and it, it's uh, it's not like it used to be. When I was a kid, that's how we. That's how we heard about things. That's how we found out about traditions, was from hearing our parents talk about things like that. They don't do that anymore. Kids don't listen to their parents <coughs> anymore. Kids, um, I don't know how kids get a sense of belonging to themselves, their families, their communities, their cultures anymore because there's there's more of a breakdown in communication, I think, between the generations now than ever before. It's been replaced by electronics. I was going to say because of the digital. Yeah. And, and that's not a bad thing. If the electronics come along with the tradition information, the problem is the kids can turn the electronics off in that moment the same way they turn off their parents. So, I mean, I, I listed a couple of questions. One we've already talked about, how do we come to know a place? What part do traditions play in our acquisition of the knowledge of a place? And and let's substitute the word culture for uh, a place. In other words, our what are we what are we learning about? We're not learning about Apple Valley right. necessarily, unless you want to discuss traditions of Apple Valley. Right. What we're talking about is. Um, the culture of Apple Valley, or the culture of this home. What is it you're listening to? <laughs> I'm I'm checking facts. Okay. I'm, I'm going to bring this up later. Okay. I just want to make sure it's the right one. Okay. Uh, and one of the th one of the things that um, has bothered me about this particular subject is. Um, The, the communication that's required, it's a two-way street, of course. You've got a lot of people that are willing to tell the traditions but you, or, or explain the cultural background of a person, but what you don't have is a lot of listeners. Um, that's part of the problem, is, is finding a way for our, to motivate our children to learn these things things. I, I, I think kids today don't think they need to know these things. It's, it used to be bad enough when, when I, as a 
teenager would tell my dad, well, why do I need to study algebra? I'm right. going to be an ice skater when I grow up. I don't need <laughs> algebra. You know, when in fact, geometry would have been a good subject to study if they're going to be an ice skater. But in any case, um, I still had to listen. Right. I was made to listen, if you will. Uh, not only to my parents, but in church and in school. Um, it was required that we listen. And in order to be sure we listened, we were tested on the information we were given. Um, and and we had to actually be able to properly answer the questions on the test and be graded for those answers um, by someone who really gave a shit whether those answers were correct or not. I'm not so sure that that's going on in school anymore. I, I don't know. And you know. I, I we've, seriously, we've talked about that. With I seriously doubt yeah. that it is. And uh, <clears throat> uh, and unfortunately, the the other side of that other facet of that gem, if you will, um, is an understanding of one's language. Now, I'm not saying that everyone has to speak English. I'm not even saying that those who speak English must speak it the same way in order for them to understand their culture. As a matter of fact, it's prohibitive that everyone speak English the same way in order for the variety of cultures we as an English-speaking society have. Right. Those of us for whom English is a native language have a, a plethora of cultural backgrounds, some of which can be better communicated using the not-so-perfect King's English, if you will, right. that other people might use. But their language skills developed over years and years and years of speaking the way they do contributes to the level of information they're trying to convey. And so I'm, I'm not saying that everyone needs to speak English the same way I do or you do or uh, the guy across the street does. What I am saying is that whomever is doing the speaking, whomever is, is passing on the tradition to the receiver, those two, the speaker and the receiver, need to be speaking English on in the same, the same way. Yes. Otherwise... Something's going to get lost. It's going to get lost. I, uh, when we were talking earlier about the um, subject before we started our podcast, I asked you, had you ever played the game of gossip? They used to call it gossip. They think they also call it telephone, telegraph, and a number of other uh, names. But it, essentially what it was was as kids, we used to sit in a circle, and one person would whisper into the ear of the person to his right, and then whatever he said it would get whispered to the next person on that person's right, and all the way around the circle until the last person would then repeat what was said. And it was always a big joke about how it never came out right. the way it was spoken in the first place. So it'd be like... In the beginning, um, little Jimmy says, you know, I'm going to get ice cream after school. And then by the time it gets back to him, little, Jenny, little Jimmy's gone into the porn business. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or, uh, even more to the point, uh, <clears throat> during the Civil War, um, 
uh, General Grant and General Lee uh, used to get together in the bar and, and smoke cigars together while they plotted out how each of them was going to conduct their side of the war. Well, now, if, if, I mean, if, if that was said now, people would go, where the fuck did you get that from? Right. You know, well, from somebody somewhere along the line distorting the actual information or embellishing it or passing it down or, you know, and, and logic would tell us that probably didn't happen since they were opposing forces, but, right. you know, who knows? Who knows? So I, I came up with why it is important to study one's native language. You know how the kids are always saying, "Why do I need to take algebra? Because I'm not going. Why do I have to go to English class? I already speak it. I know what I'm saying." You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, here's why. <laughs> the challenges of nuance inherent in any language require that specific language comprehension comprehension is necessary in order to grasp the significant details of cultural and or historical information being conveyed whether it is by books, plays, movies, music, or the spoken word. Distortion happens so easily as it is without the information being passed on by someone whose language skills are not native to the origin of the information. In other words, if if I'm going to try to teach you about a tradition I'm aware of and you're not, right. We need to speak the same language at the same level, using the same words, which is another way of saying some of the people responsible for teaching some of the traditions in some of the schools may not be verbally qualified. What's worse is they're teaching it to 40 people who may or may not have the same language skills, background, and verbiage that they have. So a lot is going to get lost in the transition of that information from the speaker to the listeners, and that's if they're all listening, which 99% of the time they're not. You just assume on the very best day in the world you're listening. Right. And the teacher says... um, We're having Thanksgiving dinner Thursday because it is a tradition in our country to celebrate the fact that we managed to survive several cold winters and the Indians brought us food and help. You know, all of the, all of the things that we think contribute to Thanksgiving or that we've been told contribute to Thanksgiving. So let's say the speaker's up there saying all these things and he's speaking to people that don't even have a kitchen table, let alone a turkey to eat on Thanksgiving Day. And they don't understand about the Indians because nobody's bothered to tell them about them. And, or they've heard different stories about the You see where I'm right. And, 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 and the listeners, let's say students, um, they're not given an opportunity to say, excuse me, the, the, the who did what? I, you know, I thought they didn't have turkey on Thanksgiving. I heard they didn't have turkey on Thanksgiving. All of these things come into play when, when, when we've got people who are trying to tell people what their culture should be like and their traditions should be like, and we've got people listening who don't want to. Right. 
and who are saying, I want to make up my own culture. I want to make up my own traditions. Well, you're 13. Okay? <laughs> How about you learn what traditions and cultures there are first? And then, if you don't like them, you don't have to participate. Okay? But you got to learn what it is you're getting rid of before you get rid of it. Because you might like it. It's possible. You'll learn to like yogurt. <laughs> you can learn to like turkey. Maybe. You know, you, you, get, my, no, you get my point. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, and I realized when I bit this thing off that there were going to be way more questions throughout the whole thing than any kind of ever answers. Um, because somewhere along the line, we do that. We discard them. We say, oh, well, I know it's the third Thursday of November, but damn it, I just had turkey a month ago. And, you know, and I got nobody coming over. I don't need to put out a little paper fold-out turkey and, and, and a little pilgrim hat and go, Happy Thanksgiving, Lenny. It, it's not like it was 50 years ago. 50 years ago, that was a freaking national holiday. Stores closed. People went home. They had Thanksgiving dinner with their families. That doesn't happen anymore. No. You can go to Macy's on Thanksgiving Day if you want to. In fact, most people do because Black Friday comes the day after Thanksgiving. That's a tradition now is Black Friday. You know, people go shopping the day after Thanksgiving. That's how they know when it's Thanksgiving because they next day shopping day. So it has anything to do with the pilgrims, turkeys, and all of that other horseshit. And and that's kind of my whole point. At what point do we start saying all of these things have no importance? And what does that create in us? If if according as as Jeff. Uh, Johnson said, if if you love a place and you have a duty to protect it, but to love a place you first must know it, then 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 how does how do we come to know our country? How why are any of us going to want to defend our country? Let's say against invasion or or go to another land and 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 help other people who are trying to protect our country. Right. Why are we going to do any of that if we don't have a sense of belonging to this culture, whatever it, each person's culture is, or this country, whatever this country means to each person? Collectively, as, as, as a human society, we must have some group cognizance of our culture as a group, even though your cultural sense may be different than mine, uh, because you grew up where you grew up, and I grew up where I grew up. But but we must somehow find a way to come together. Coexist. And, yes, and, and more than coexist, to protect ourselves, our community, our culture, our... Cohabitate. <sighs> And stand together against all invaders. Right. Uh, so, so if if our children don't learn this somewhere, somehow, either from us or their teachers, or their smarter friends, or whomever, if they don't get a sense of this, then pretty soon they're going to start saying, "Well, I don't care if North Korea wants to come over here and run things for a while. Why not? They seem smart." Yes, you see, right. they, they don't have a clue why that's a really bad idea. 
okay? Because they don't know what uh, democracy is, and they don't know what communism is, and they don't know what um, uh, all of the other, you know, fascism and all of the other uh, oppressive regimes mean. They haven't any idea what it means to be under the control of someone else, a bully. Right. Who, who has <clears throat> no regard for them as individuals or anything else, and whose only motive is self-aggrandizement. If, if that's what they want to invite or allow to permeate this culture, this community, this country, if they don't take up arms mentally, emotionally, and physically against it because they love it, because they've learned to love it, because of their own cultural sense and their own strength of community, then how in hell are they going to protect themselves? And it all, themselves being our children. Right, right. And that all comes down from tradition and culture. I think it does. I think uh, whether we like them or not, whether we appreciate them or not, you know, there are lots and lots and lots of traditions that have gone by the way of all flesh, and that's fine, all well and good. They should, because, you know, some of those traditions were, well, you can't, you can't drink on Sunday because it's God's day. Right. And you can't, and well, those are still around for a lot of people. Let's go further back. Let's say uh, um, you can't ride, uh, you can't ride a horse to uh, church. You must walk. Or I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm scratching here trying to think of old, old, old. Don't uh, spit on the sidewalk. Traditions. Don't spit on the sidewalk or doff your hat, take off your hat to uh, a lady. Well, in the first place, how many ladies are there? Secondly, who wears hats? So Yeah, nowadays. So uh, the fact that it was a gesture of manners uh, kind of made it a tradition, you see. But now we get into this, this subject of manners, right. okay, which now, we don't have anymore. No, I, I was going to ask you a question was with with everything that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. is it does it come down to the fact that the meaning of past values, the just the past in general, nostalgia, is that gone? I mean, is is it just not important anymore? Well, nostalgia. You see, for nostalgia to happen, you kind of had to have been there. Okay, that's why to me it's kind of funny when people say, "Oh, I just love nostalgia." You know, well, you, you're 13. What do you mean you love nostalgia? Okay, you weren't there. It's kind of like so. It's it's not just. I don't ever want to think that it's just because we always did it that way. Right. Lots of traditions are. Okay. Lots of rules are just because we done it that way in the past, we should continue. Bullshit. No, we shouldn't. And kids are smart enough to know that these days. Um, I think. A lot of them. But um, there are certain things that we do have to do because we've always done it that way. Like, it isn't nice to shoot people in the head with guns. (laughs) Really? We pretty much always felt that way. Okay. Um... It is nice to drive behind someone with your high beams on, glaring into their rearview mirror, making it difficult for them to see where they're going. 
because you're in a hurry and you want them to pull over so you can go around them. Right. Well, That's bad manners. But we don't teach our children manners, so we don't teach them respect. When you don't teach your child respect and manners, you don't teach them to listen. And when they don't listen, they don't learn the traditions. So it had anything to do with nostalgia, necessarily, in my opinion. I think this is about what we think. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> you start to say, I think. Um... I'm trying to think of how I can pull this in. One of the things that, when you talked about, you know, tradition and culture and how it's not, it just seemed like things aren't as important uh, today as it was yesterday. There was one particular thing that popped up, and I was trying to think of how I can incorporate mm. this in. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm going to use that as the incorporating. Okay. Um, one of the new things, I don't know if you're picking this up now, is I'm putting in audio video tracks into the show. You know, not only are we submitting what we think, but evidence to kind of back what we think. You know, last episode we, we had mm, a couple of videos. Yes, this yes, episode. yes, 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 yes. So I submit to you and the listeners. Okay. Another support for what we think or why? Yes, and why, or as to the conclusion of culture, history, tradition is slowly fading away. It had stood more inspiring and unchanged for centuries. Not the invasion of the conquistadors, nor the hundreds of years of weathering had eroded the majesty of Normul, a 2,300-year-old Mayan pyramid in northern Belize. But now the site has been irreparably damaged by a crew of road workers. In search of materials for road fill, they destroyed the archaeological site, using bulldozers to demolish the sides of the pyramid. Local archaeologists were dismayed at the scale of the damage. I, I was hoping that when I was driving up from the, from the main San Juan road, that it would not be this one. But when I, the closer I got, I, I just couldn't believe and seeing all the trucks and all the stuff. But this is an incredible, incredible destruction. This is one of the worst that I have seen in my entire 25 years of archaeology in Belize. A local road building firm is under investigation over the incident. Experts say the pyramid's hand-cut limestone bricks will have provided much sought-after shale and gravel for making roads in the Central American country. But even though it was on private land, ancient Mayan ceremonial sites like Normul are protected under Belizean law. Now this once... In wow. So... Yeah, that's that's kind of a good example. The the traditions that that I'm speaking of are similar in in concept, at least to twenty some, the twenty three year twenty three hundred year old. Yeah, know. yeah, and and <clears throat> I don't mean to say that all the traditions should be kept. I'm not saying I'm not by any stretch am I saying that. But I'm saying there's, there are, is, is value in at least studying them, at least learning about them, at least finding out what it is you're digging up before you dig it up. For reals. Yeah. And, um, uh, and I think the motive for me, the motive should be 
uh, self-preservation. Yes. You know, and it isn't important to me that you respect my tradition because it's mine. That's not where I'm coming from. I'm not asking that everybody do the way I did. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that my kids know what our family's traditions were. Right. My kids don't do many of the things that my family did, but they know. Then they then they can pick and choose. It's like when you take your kids to church when they're young. It's not necessarily because you want them to be good little Christians, but you want them to have some background in religion so they can make a choice for themselves when they're of the age of choosing. Do they want religion in their lives? Right. You know. Well, you can't do that with language and, and other skills. They have to learn those in school, and they have to learn. Right. There's no Because they're not of an age yet to decide. They get out of school, out of several schools, colleges even. Then they can decide because they're informed. Hopefully by people who have the skill to inform them in such a way that they'll actually learn the information. That's all I'm asking. Well, speaking of inform, yeah. that's it for this week. <laughs> We're done? We are. I tended to go on, didn't I? Sorry about that. No, it's quite all right. Mm. So for this week, I am David K. Montoya. And I'm Miss Sadie Burbank. And you heard what we think, so now you know. Good night, folks. Not what we know, because we don't know shit. What we think. <laughs> David K. Montoya has Sadie Burbank podcast. Or as Sadie Burbank, David K. Montoya podcast. The game plan, yeah. The, uh, the show. Let's go make it up. Let's actually make some. And see, I came up with more. Google it. Not what we know, because we don't know shit.